podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Blah, 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 blah. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast. <laughs> Insert amazing intro here. <laughs> Hello, Patreon. What's up, y'all? Thanks for supporting us. Thank you so much. I know we are grateful. I know Podcast Sean and Jordan No More are grateful. I know all of Sean's kids, the ones he knows about, are grateful. <laughs> Love you guys. And uh, isn't that a weird Amen. thing to say? Like, Love you guys? We, right. Like... Uh, for some reason, especially as a, a man in our culture, like oh. to say I love you is see. I, my dad raised me with like hugging me and telling me he loves me, like a very an, a very emotional dude. Oh, that's so gay. That's where I get that's where I get the e from in the ENFP. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't. No, gay. That, that's that, that, that's the problem. Is like our culture says that, like yeah. as if there's something wrong with being gay. First off, right? Like I I don't understand the. I guess I do understand it. There's a male aversion, uh, a cultural aversion for males to show affection mm. because it implies um, weak weakness. Yeah. Where, where in reality, especially because of the cultural imperative, yeah. it really implies strength, right? To say I am comfortable enough with my... Uh, feelings, my emotions, my vulnerability, my sexuality, whatever it might be to say, I love you. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, definitely a good, you know, personal view of yourself. Like you've got good confidence. I don't know if like, just, you know, just because I say I love you doesn't mean I could beat you up, <laughs> but I mean, I understand this, the strength you're talking about in the sense that you feel comfortable with who you are and, well, well, it, and that, that is empowering when you don't have to hide. You don't have to hold back on feelings or, you know, what whatever it is that, that you do to be yourself. Well, well, you could beat me up whether or not you say you love yeah, me, but but also, <laughs> uh, but also you, I think being being able to say that or being in touch with your feelings outwardly also shows that you're strong enough that you don't need to beat someone up right. to show them that you're strong. Yeah, that's absolutely. often what violence is especially in today's culture it's not out of necessity meaning i'm i'm just defending myself mm. Your podcast sean and i were talking about this on the way up this morning uh we were on the elevator together and um what were we oh yeah we we're talking about economics and how like uh he's reading uh, a basic economics book um uh, thomas is it thomas soul yeah okay uh and and your yeah, economics accounts for economics mm. meaning like humans don't think economically though right we don't right. think uh, in terms of supply and demand and and i have this scarce resource i think it's it's economics is logic and that's important but what it leaves out is the sort of human emotion and irrationality that we employ elegantly every single day we yeah. are so irrational Right. Yeah. And, and I think maybe if we're able to step back and, and just say, like, 
what what the hell is wrong with saying I love you? Mm-hmm. And then you, you could even go farther, like saying I'm in love with you is just a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, well, that's usually got a romantic connotation. It usually it, right? does, but does it have to? <clears throat> I don't know, man. I mean, I, th- I think that the word love in general has a lot of different meanings. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you could go back to all the Greek words and, you know, dissect what love actually means. You've got this white thing on your shirt. It's really bothering me. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Shout out to our Patreon. It's right below your nipple there. Below my nipple. (laughs) But you know, when you talk about war and violence, man, like I was actually thinking about this. Well, I think about it a lot, just like why I get angry or, you know, why I get upset Mm -hmm. and, you know, look at my past life and the uh, arguments I'd get into Um, or looking, uh, you know, trying to look at something objectively like a, like war. It's, all, it always comes down to someone feeling disrespected. Mm-hmm. It always comes down to... I mean, that that's that's my uh, theory, at least. Mm-hmm. It comes down to someone feeling disrespected. And when someone feels disrespected... When I feel disrespected, mm-hmm. that is when I get the angriest. Now, is that because you feel... For me, when I feel disrespected, I think ultimately, if I take it one or two steps further, it's... I, I feel insignificant and that's what because mm. there are some people who can do whatever the hell they want and like it's not I'm not going to feel any type of way about it it's mm. just going to be like yeah like you can't feel disrespected by uh, a thunderstorm mm. you can mm. and so it's pretty hard to get mad at a thunderstorm right, right? Yeah. you can be like disappointed like oh I really want to go walk on the beach today but it's raining so I can't do that right. or or you mean it's snowing, so now I can't play basketball, or whatever it, uh, the case might be. But you don't feel disrespected by the rain. No, it's no. just when it comes to another person, all of a sudden we we start to feel disrespected. And I think what Sam Harris would say, and I've been doing his meditation app daily, the Waking Up app. Awesome. Uh, he yeah, it's it's really good. Bex and I've been been using it, and uh, what he would say is that. I mean, he wrote a whole book about free will and how humans don't actually have free will. Mm-hmm. We have choices, sure. but we don't have free will. Like we are an amalgamation a, amalgamation of everything that has happened to us up to this point, including mm-hmm. birth and then mm-hmm. all of the different inputs. And even like the next thought that comes into your head, If uh, t- tell me what your next thought is. If you think about an object, any object. I don't even know. What I, I'm trying think to about think about any object. I, 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 a square, okay. That's not an object. Think about an object. <laughs> Why don't you just give me an example of what you're thinking? I, I will in a minute. But think of an object first and tell, tell me. Uh, uh, a cup. I'm okay. looking at your cup. Okay. So so you didn't actually control that. You all of a sudden, I had a cup here in front of me mm. and you didn't get to decide what the thing you thought of actually was. Mm. Now, if I tell you to think of an elephant, mm-hmm. you're thinking of the elephant now. Yeah. And you didn't get to choose that. You didn't get to think of a deer instead. Or even if you did think of a deer instead of an elephant, maybe it's just because you had bad information. You didn't know the difference between the two. And and I, I think that is true when it comes to other people. Once I realized this... You know, we, we have people online who criticize us every day because we have a sizable audience. Yeah. And people love to take jabs. Or I saw a YouTube comment the other day about... Don't even tell me. Uh, yeah, well, it was about me. So it was about how... <laughs> oh, okay. How, that was, how, well, that was me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was about how stupid I look when I'm talking into a microphone. And it's like, uh, that's what you're choosing to do with your time. Yeah. Now, I could feel disrespected, but I also 
can feel other things for that person too mm-hmm. in my best moments. In my best moments, I can feel compassion for that person say, oh, that's really unfortunate that mm-hmm. this is how they've decided to spend their time. And I can feel bad for them actually. Not in a way that is like belittling, but mm-hmm. just in a way that, that actually provokes gratitude in me. Like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm grateful that I see the path so that I don't have to uh, react that same way because always I see a little bit of myself in everyone and even the worst parts of people when they get angry or outraged or want to fight someone or want to yell at someone or when I yell myself it happens very rarely but we had an incident in this studio a few weeks ago with the four of us that are in here Mm -hmm. that um, I lost my shit and I was upset that's not the best version of me I had to apologize Mm -hmm. afterward and and that's just not the best version of me, but I can also accept that people are just like a rainstorm. Yeah. They, they didn't get to choose all of the inputs, the neighborhood they grew up in, the circumstances that they, they were put in. However, we can take the inputs that we have right now and make the choices that we need going forward to act appropriately. Yeah. Today we're gonna talk about products Nice. And uh, I wanted to start, Ryan, before we get into the More About Less article that I we really have. I really like this article, by the way. Wasn't it good? Yeah, great. And it was odd and original. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I will disagree with the author a little bit on some stuff, sure. but we'll, we'll talk about that. Before we do, I had one question from last week that we didn't answer, so I just wanted to step back uh, to the branding episode. And Kathy Peterman said, what role does ethics play in branding? I I so appreciate that you have chosen not to have commercials as part of your business, but I know that it comes as a price. Mm -hmm. How do you decide on money versus ethics? And then she has a separate question here we'll get to in a second. Um, I I put ethics before money. I I think uh, if we're we're talking about the difference between ethics and morals, I think morals are... There's a difference? uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mm -hmm. morals are relative and can be subjective uh again sam harris wrote a whole book about this about called the moral landscape and how there are different peaks and valleys on a moral landscape Mm. and different cultures have experienced different peaks and uh, you can you can ascertain that just because you're living a moral life there might be there still might be a more moral version of of your life i think i like someone like will mccaskill Mm -hmm. who um uh, what's what's the name of his project? Uh, altruism movement. Yeah, altruism. It's like we, he pays uh, himself like a minimum. Yeah, I think it's thirty thousand dollars a year, yeah. the equivalent of that, or right. twenty five thousand dollars a year. But he's a a professor, and he gives himself raises with respect to inflation. So sure. it's effectively the same income he's going to make for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. He makes significantly more money than that, and the rest of that money he uses to give to GiveWell.org, mm-hmm. which has so the four to eight most effective charities in the world world like the against malaria foundation and um in doing that he lives a a moral life now is it possible to be more moral than that yeah and he's recognized that like well yeah i could deprive myself even farther and live you know i I find this to be more moral Mm -hmm. but also some people might find deprivation to be immoral right Mm, yeah and and so ethics i think are a little bit different because they apply to everyone i think there are sort of ethical principles uh, for everyone in, in a culture. Mm. And morals can be more subjective or even even relative. Although I think probably 90 
plus percent of the time we use those two terms interchangeably, yeah, right? I always have. I never. I'm still having a hard time <laughs> seeing the difference between ethics, them. Ethics apply to an entire society. Morals apply to, to an you, individual. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, or to a smaller unit. Now, that's that's my own definition, and and I'm sure there are other better definitions out there, but um, for me, I I don't put money before. But I also, I'll put it as part of the equation. Well, I mean, and we are fortunate enough to where we don't have to put money first. But when I think about like when we first started this venture, I mean, we, I mean, I made less that year than I had ever made. Right. Um, But yeah, but I, I guess like there, there are, there are people, I'm trying to just trying to empathize with people who they don't have that luxury of mm-hmm. of not putting money first and some i mean i'm looking at stories in venezuela of what's going on and there are moms just like basically prostituting themselves mm-hmm. to help their kids yeah so it's like i don't know not, i don't that's know that's not immoral <clears throat> i mean prostitution well, isn't immoral no uh, um i mean i guess to you and i it's not immoral but i i think some people would look at that but i guess that you know the, the specific story i read the woman does not want to be having sex with strangers for okay. money to provide for her kids gotcha but that's the only option that she sees so you know there is this there is this balance well i will say what she's doing is not sustainable I mean, if she continues to do that for five, 10, 20 years, whatever, like there's a, there's going to be a breakdown point, right? Right. But that's true with everything. Yeah. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to differentiate, like, when is it appropriate to put money first? Yeah. I, I don't think ever, I don't think ever, unless it's a situation. Okay. Here's, here's, here's one, hmm. uh, self-defense. Mm-hmm. Now, one type of self-defense is like i need to feed my kids self meaning the 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 unit the family unit ourselves and defending them means feeding them and if if you don't have the means to do it then it's effectively self-defense yeah man i bring up sam harris a lot on this podcast but he wrote a book called lying Mm. and it talks about how there is no good lie there's no such thing as a good white lie uh, ever However, the only time when lying is appropriate is when it's in situations of self-defense. Mm. You know, if uh, if you, you see a woman runs up to your door and she's a victim of a of a, a guy who assaulted her and he was trying to rape her, and then the rapist shows up at your doorstep and he's like, "Is that woman here?" And well, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, she is. She's upstairs in you know the second <laughs> right. bedroom. No, that That's you'd ridiculous. be a monster if you did that. That would actually be an immoral thing to do. Yeah. And, and and so that's a case of of self defense or defending someone else. Yeah. I guess I, with anything we talk about, and I've said this before, like there are this is an exception to the rule, right? Like this lying example, mm-hmm. the prostitute, this woman prostituting herself. I mean, th- this is not this is not the generalization. This these are exceptions to the rules and there and i guess my point is is like there are sometimes these exceptions well and i think the i think the the analogy here is apt because there's nothing wrong with being a sex worker in fact Mm -hmm. uh, i know we have at least one patreon subscriber who commented about this Mm -hmm. uh, because we we brought up something about sex work and i I, well we talked about how you know sex is is real sex is sort of free right right right? i mean between me and and my partner right Mm -hmm. that 
sex is good for me because it's not transactional. Yeah. However, there are there are instances with sex workers where they actually provide a really good service for even for disabled people who embark on, who who need a or who want not necessarily need but want to have sexual experiences yeah. but are unable to do so. There's a country the government will reimburse you if you're disabled. Okay, I forget what country it is. I, I have to look it up. Maybe. Maybe it's I'll, called Utopia. I'll, go, I'll Google it and send it to you, Sean. Well, my point is, is like the woman who's prostituting herself, I'm not judging her by that because, yeah, I don't, I mean, you and I have a mutual friend who is partners with a very famous porn star mm -hmm. and they're one of the most normal couples I've ever seen. Right. Um, in fact, out of all the relationships I've seen him go through, like this is the most normal relationship I've ever seen him oh, in. Far, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But but she thinks it's immoral, uh -huh. and I think that's what matters. Is that wait the process? Wait, the the strip or the uh, the porn star doesn't think it's immoral. No, no. I'm sorry. The uh, the woman in Venezuela who's okay. prostituting herself. It's right. not a matter of what, how we think about her. It's uh -huh. what she thinks about herself. Exactly. Yeah. That that's perfect. And so I think quite often we are prostituting ourselves out mm. when we go to work for this corporation that completely is out of alignment with the person we want to be just because we're putting money first. The opposite is we lie to ourselves and say money isn't important at all. Okay, well, I don't know what utopia you're living in, but I have bills. Mm -hmm. I have to, to pay rent. I, I have to pay for food for my, my family. And so I think what we want to do is, is figure out where does it really come in the, the pecking order? Mm -hmm. uh, my values to me are more important than making excess yeah. money. Mm -hmm. And one way to figure out what's the uh, important... Uh, What's the amount of money that I need is you having the appropriate budget and understanding what I need and then making money beyond that. There's nothing wrong with that. It allows me to give more. It allows me to save more for retirement if I make more money from, from something that we do. That's great. But what is sort of the baseline and then factoring that into the, the equation yeah. has been important to me. Hmm. Um, she, Kate, or Kathy also said, separate question. I noticed the Patreon donation tiers have changed. Well, you're not donating. You are uh, subscribing, so I don't want you to think that you can write this off with the IRS or something. <laughs> um, can you uh, speak on the new tiers and what they mean? Yeah, I'll just touch on that real quick. But you can just find them over at uh, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash The Minimalist. We have a, a $2, $3, $5 tier. $2 mm -hmm. tier gets you the audio version of the, the podcast, the, the private podcast. If you want the video version, it's the $3 tier. And the $5 tier is the true fan tier. That one is, right now is limited to, to 500 people uh, that also gets you the ask the minimalists anything episodes mm -hmm. uh, video and audio of those and then also um, any live events we do in the future we'll, we'll put out a recording of those live events for the true fan tier yeah. as well they might even get a couple other extra little things that that we have to give out yes indeed yeah so the reason why we started doing these different tiers is because i mean we were we we, we were giving the most to our audience that was not giving anything back which it doesn't feel that bad yeah for free in public yeah and, and we and we're happy to do that i mean if we didn't have to pay jordan we've didn't, we've if we didn't have to pay sean if we didn't have to pay rent i mean this all would be free right um but yeah so yeah I, I love the way we we've done it now because it's it's uh you still can get a lot of our information for free you can hear our voices for free still right um but the people who really um want to i don't know listen to us you know, monitor on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that, you know, then they, they have the option to do that and 
they can totally give back to us and we appreciate it so much. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny too because a lot of people were complaining like, "Man, your podcast needs to be shorter." It's like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll start doing shorter podcasts for y'all. <laughs> now we do a shorter podcast for the public. We do a longer podcast in private, and I found that this private space you know, it, it sort of allows me to be more irreverent, to not worry as much because yeah. I think people get it. And if I might say something stupid, and it's okay, I'm allowed to say something stupid here. Um, that I can retract later or maybe do a better job explaining later or maybe just leave it out there because I am just imperfect. And and you're not going to get a flawless episode regardless, but this allows us to, to let our hair down a bit, to try some new stuff out yep. and to talk to you about those things in a, in a more casual manner. I feel, like, I feel like this small group of people, right now I think it's fewer than 3,000 patrons. It's, you compare that to a, you know, a million downloads a month or plus million to three million on on the main podcast and that's a completely different thing mm -hmm. and you don't it's like speaking in front of a, a small group at a bookstore versus when we were in brazil last year and spoke in front of five thousand people right it changes the dynamic mm -hmm. of the talk and you can still do great in both places but it definitely changes the way that you present. Yeah, and so so you all are helping us be a little bit looser, a little bit less well, pretty much unrestrained at this point. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Let's dive into this more about less, Ryan. Talking about products. This such a good article. This one is what what organ is this from? Do you remember? I don't, I don't man. see it here. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Let's see what it says at the back. Yeah, it's called I used all the best stuff for a week and it nearly broke me. Mm. It's by Rebecca Jennings. And the subtitle of this one is living like a fancy millennial was wonderful until it wasn't. <laughs> My name is Rebecca Jennings. I am 26 years old and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Every morning I wake up on a Casper mattress covered in Brooklinen bedding. I brush my teeth with a Quip toothbrush, then floss with Cocoa Floss. I do exactly 45 minutes on the elliptical at the gym downstairs in a matching set from Outdoor Voices. In the shower, I use shampoo and conditioner perfectly customized to my hair type by function of beauty. My morning vitamin by Care Of, too, is designed specifically for me. I dry off in a robe from Parachute, then dress in minimalist basics from Everlane. I apply Glossier cloud paint followed by boy brow, and before I leave the apartment, I slip on a pair of Allbirds. You know what's funny, man? When I was reading this article, like it was, it was um, I don't want to say triggering me because that has such a pejorative meaning nowadays, but it, it was like giving me the impulse to go and look up these products. <laughs> I felt the same way. It was so funny. And I, like, like, I had to catch myself. I was like, like, do I need a robe from Parachute? I swear to God, I thought <laughs> the same thing. I'm like, I don't have a robe now. And I've had robes in the past. Like back when I lived in the mm. suburbs and my old life, I, I, I had more than one robe yeah. for some reason. And I pretty much never wore them uh, now i was uh with bex the other day and she she was like man i got rid of my robe last time we moved like a year plus ago and i just really miss it i wish i had a robe again mm. 
And so we went to uh, Target, and she was like looking for a robe, and and couldn't find one that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think she's still on the hunt right now because I always try to get her to get one that's like two sizes too small, <laughs> <laughs> which defeats the purpose of the robe, right? But <laughs> but improves my life substantially. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. And then uh, looking up these products, I I too felt that impulse. Yeah. This is not a terrible attempt at a, uh, at an American psycho parody. Well. It's not just a terrible attempt at an American psycho parody. It is also an entirely accurate description of my life. At least it was for one week in November. (laughs) The premise was this. I would surround myself with the products whose entire raison d'etre was being the best. The stuff that claimed it was, quote, the only one you'll ever need. Or, quote, the last one you'll ever have to buy. These are companies that set out with the intention of disrupting entire retail categories through direct-to-consumer business models or millions of dollars in venture capital funding or flashy ads on public transit or all three. And who together have created an entirely new retail environment in which everything ends up looking exactly the same. Now we talked about that last week with branding, yeah. right? Everything ends up looking the same. Now let me let me just step back for a moment, Ryan, and, and say there is this thing that I like in concept. Hmm. Direct to consumer business models. Yeah. Isn't that exactly what we have done? In fact, we're gonna have Andrew Schultz on our podcast next month to, to come in and talk about how he's doing everything independently. He he did this uh stand up special. You and I listened to it on uh we were like in Chicago last year, remember? Yeah. It's called uh five five one. Uh and uh the initial one was called four four one, uh the video version. And he shopped it around. Great great idea. Because he um, he went to four, actually went to five different comedy clubs in one night mm. and filmed his set, different five different sets in one night in New York City, and then sort of filmed the interstitial scenes between you know going cab ride to cab ride or walking uh, from different clubs, and that was his his stand up uh, set, and he put it all together into a this great stand up special. And no one would pick it up. Netflix mm. wouldn't pick it up. Comedy Central wouldn't pick it up. Showtime wouldn't pick it up. None of the networks would pick it up. And so he put it out on his own. Just said, all right, screw it. I'm going to put it out on YouTube. And just millions of views later. Oh, I didn't even realize it was. I thought it was just the audio that was so out. So he did the, the, the video version. And then because uh, it did so well on YouTube, awesome. a record company, a, a comedy record company, picked up the audio version and put out the audio. That's awesome. So you can you can find that you know wherever you listen to to I'm to so, audio. I'm like pumped right now to <laughs> go watch the YouTube version. Well, he's got a new one coming out March second. He's putting it out. Uh, he's doing like it's episodic. It's instead of doing a full hour long special, mm. he's doing like 20 minutes a week for five weeks, something like that. Cool. And uh, and so he's got a new one. It's coming out on YouTube. That's what we're going to talk to him about when when he's in here. Nice. Um, now he specializes in really offensive jokes. Oh yeah. Um, and any good comedian does. Right, but he 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 even does a, a show on um on his YouTube channel called Inside Jokes, where they take the, it's him and three other comedians. Yeah. They take their most offensive jokes that aren't working on stage because they're so offensive. Yeah. And they try to, but they only work with other comics, and they 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 work with them to find ways to make them funny so that an audience can maybe appreciate them as well. So they've got a really good premise. 
They just need to work out the delivery of it. My secret dream is to be a comedian, man. <laughs> <laughs> because like what a comedian, like there there are no limits uh-huh. to like what you can talk about. As long as you're as long as there's a punchline there, right? Right. right. Um yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's a profession I really admire cuz it it does give you that freedom to to just let loose and like it's it just and it what cracks me up too is when people get offended by jokes that are meant to offend that are meant to offend it's yeah right yeah. it's like going to a museum and being mad at, at color palettes or something yeah you're like i hate the color red well then don't go to the museum okay yeah or, or like when i see the modern art stuff i'm like I could have done this, <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. But I didn't. <laughs> right. I could have. I could have. I could have drawn that line. <laughs> right. So uh, the direct to consumer thing is fascinating because that's what we we do. We we formed our own publishing company and published our own books. Uh, we put out our, our own documentary on our own. Eventually, Netflix picked it up, but we put it out on on, on uh, Vimeo, mm-hmm. and then we put it out on iTunes and Amazon and allow people to get it and because it did so well over there eventually netflix ended up picking up the documentary but i think virtually everything we've done is a direct consumer business model that's the beauty of of the internet and having Mm. a blog or having a podcast or having both in our case you're able to go direct to people without some sort of gatekeeper saying oh you have to do it this way right there's a big downside to that though Hmm. quality control oh yeah I mean, there are something like, I don't know, uh, 600,000 podcasts out there right now. Yeah. Or like you look at YouTube, it would take you a lifetime to watch everything on YouTube. Right. It would take <laughs> you a lifetime. How? What, what's the stat? Like every hour, there's three lifetimes or something? <laughs> every hour. Yeah. If you watch every hour of every, it would take no, no, you three No, no, no. If you, like this hour that we're recording this, mm-hmm. it's three life of uh, three lifetimes of videos being uploaded this hour. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. In Utah, it's all in Utah. I think. What is? Uh, he said, "Where's all the server space for that?" Oh. Utah is a very big state. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um, God, that's incredible. Right, but we're able to use YouTube to go direct to people yeah. now. But your point about the quality, though. And and. The, you get the varying qualities, right? The last week we on the on the branding one, we talked about when you buy some of this junk from Instagram, it shows up and it ends up just being junk. Mm-hmm. You don't get the quality. Sometimes you buy something like maybe, I don't know, maybe Casper Mattress. I've heard enough people say it's great. Maybe you do get the high quality there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever tried a Casper Mattress. You know, maybe an Airbnb somewhere I didn't know yeah. about. But yeah, um, you you they go direct to consumer they're also the nice thing about that is in eliminating the middleman from retail you and and from what we do you reduce the costs of of manufacturing and then selling as well you know the the markup and when you go to a macy's is a hundred percent you know so if you sell a pair of jeans to them for for fifty dollars they mark it up i think it's 53 percent actually because of credit card fees mm. so they mark it up and, and now it's they're you know, charging a hundred and three dollars or whatever it is for for those pair of jeans and by the way you're also on the hook if you sold them the jeans because you sold it to them on consignment they can return as many of them as they want six months later and Mm. now you have manufactured way too many jeans you don't have to do that if you're selling direct to consumer we do that with our coffee shop yeah and in fact we're roasting our own beans now and this week was one of our was one of our biggest weeks yet i think it was 550 pounds i mean i did order like 15 bags of coffee (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, no, what we've done is we we have you know a few hotels and coffee shops and breakfast places yeah. throughout Florida and throughout the South that um, that or, order from us on a recurring basis mm-hmm. and getting more accounts on. But what we're realizing now by doing by just roasting the appropriate amount, we're not freaking out. It's not like we go in there and every week we're like, let's roast a thousand pounds this week and then figure out what we're going to do with it because you're just going to have 400 pounds of waste at least every week and so you you have to figure out what's the appropriate amount to go direct to consumers all right moving on here i would try them all at once and in the service of a single question so she's talking about she's trying all these things at once to answer the single question would they actually improve my life the short answer is yes of course they did. As a shock to probably nobody, the direct-to-consumer mattress was indeed far superior to my regular mattress, which is actually my old roommate's mattress. I can tell you this. When I first started dating Bex, yeah. her mattress, I loved her so much that I tolerated I think she just took a bundle of like broken furniture from, I don't know, her old backyard and like taped it together <laughs> with uh, some sort of tarp it was the worst mattress i like i felt like i was laying on like a two by four it's so fun mariah's was the same way it's like it did that taco thing (laughs) (laughs) and like no matter how many times we flipped it it just always ended up being a taco so So, well you know it's funny man it's you know the short answer is yes of course they did and you know what man like there are some products Uh they actually do add value right like when i think about my mattress um, my mattress is worth more than my car, <laughs> <laughs> or I should say, I, sp- I don't know if it's worth more than my car now, but I spent more than, you know, what I would spend on my current car. But man, this, I get exponentially better sleep right. than when we were sleeping on a taco mattress. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And, and the point there is it's not the, this particular mattress that is better is the fact that most mattresses were better than the taco mattress. Right. Mo- you can go to a Denver mattress and probably buy a $300 mattress mm. that was just leaps and bounds better than the taco mattress yeah. you were sleeping on. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's, that's, that's also important to realize. You don't have to go all the way to this uh, more expensive option. Well, you know what's often. important to realize too is like just because, and we talked about this during the branding episode, like just because you prefer one particular brand of mattress. Like that's your preference. Right. It, th- I mean, I love the idea of um, the only one you'll ever need. I do too. Like I love simplifies. <clears throat> yeah. I love that idea, but the only one that I ever need is going to be different from the only one that you need. Right. It's going to be different from the one that Jordan needs. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's, it's for me, it's like, it's a hard sell for any company to be like, this is the only one you'll ever need. Like you, it's impossible yeah. to, do, to do that. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on here. Uh, it was probably someone else's mattress before that. My mouth felt cleaner. I actually took vitamins. I got used to fancy tampons. <laughs> Have you ever tried one of those really nice hotel bathrobes? I lived in one of those things for like a whole week, basically. But the long answer is more complicated. Part of that comes from the fact that I didn't actually have to fork over money for any of this stuff. (laughs) The fun thing about stunt journalism is that when you ask a brand to try their product for a story in which you have already implied that they are, quote, the best, they are extremely willing to send you things. 
I should also note here that much of it was not to keep, and whatever was feasible went back to the company it came from. Uh, that's the thing with like a Casper mattress, for example. Like if you buy one, you can try it out. Not not just them. Uh, we bought a Bear mattress for Ella. I think I mm-hmm. talked about that. Yeah. And you can try it out for whatever it is, 90 days, 100 days, or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with it, you can't send it back and someone else is going to sleep on it. It gets donated so that um, a place like the Donation Warehouse can then resell it to people for a way reduced cost. You have yeah. people who are in need. Yeah. So that's actually a good thing that they're doing because otherwise, you know, if you were to go to a mattress store 10 years ago and buy a mattress and then you didn't like it. Out of luck. Yeah. You just have to donate it, get rid of it, yeah. or de- you're probably just going to deal with it. Right. And, and now it's like, well, nope, this one isn't working for me. Someone else, they'll find someone else who, where it does work for them and they mm-hmm. pick it up and donate it for you. And, and I, I mean, I think that's great. Um, now, Yesterday, I got an email. So this this reminded me because she said the fun thing about stunt journalism is that when you ask a brand to try their product for a story in which you have already implied they're the best, they are extremely willing to send you things. Stunt journalism. <laughs> Never heard that term well, before this I, article. <laughs> I get emails frequently or tweets or other ways of contacting us about you know try this product or we want to send you some of our shirts or mm-hmm. or whatever and. And I mean, at this point, I just say no, because if I want the thing, I'll, I'll just buy it. And, and in fact, there have been a few times um, I can think of our friend uh, who, uh, Dr. Ryan Green, who sent us to, he's an ambassador at, at Lululemon. Yeah. Right. And they have like this whole men's line. Yeah. They wanted to give us a bunch of free stuff. <laughs> right. And so, and he's like, seriously, you've got to try it. I mean, they've got these really comfortable like shirts or this jacket that I wear is from, from Lululemon. And I'm like, okay, I'll go, I'll go try it out. And like, uh, when he sent me there, they like wanted to give me all the stuff for free. In fact, wouldn't let me pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so right there, I'm like, okay, it was, it ended up being, you know, however much it was, 200 bucks or something mm-hmm. for like a shirt, a jacket and, and a pair of pants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, they wouldn't let me pay for it. So like right there in front of them, I I did a, a donation to GiveWell.org for the exact amount of of the because I don't want to feel like I am compelled now to talk about that brand. Yeah. I don't know whether or not Lululemon is going to work for you, and it doesn't even work for me in most instances. Mm. Um, or even the like the Mission Workshop pants I'm wearing right now. I really enjoy having these pants. They're the best pants I have ever worn. Mm-hmm. But you wore a pair of, of them, and you're like, oh, my God, my legs are so big. They, they don't work. Mm. They work for guys with skinny legs, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still have Mission Workshop pants. But yeah, I'm sorry. There was a, another pair of uh, yeah. that, that you had or something. Yeah. But Like the Four Earth or something. They were like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yoga pants. Yeah. yeah. You, Which looked like they looked awesome on you, man. They're baggy on me. And I was like, God, I want to wear them. And then like, I put them on. <laughs> I just got, it's got big thighs, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say. You squat all the but, weights. But no, to your point, I mean, yeah, that's. That's exactly it, man. It's it's it does come down to preference a lot. Um, I mean, the, it's funny these pants I'm wearing right now. These are Lululemon, and I got them because of Dr. Ryan Green saying, "Hey, you should go check out." And I did. I found a pair of pants. I'm like, "Wow, these are awesome!" Right, and you really enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, I wear them all the time, and I I got two pair of them because uh, they're sweats. Uh, like I don't wash the Mission Workshop jeans I have. I never wash. Right. So um, I, I don't need two pairs of those. Right. I don't need two pair of those. I uh, I got a second pair of the Lululemon, and then they went out of uh, uh, they got discontinued. Right. Like, dude, I went on eBay and bought a, a third pair because I like these pants so much. Right. 
And it's, you know, people will ask like, oh, is there anything like you hoard or, you know, whatever. And it's like, I mean, I guess you could look at that like it's a bit excessive, but it's not just in case. It's just people listening to this right now. They're like, no, Ryan, three pairs of pants is not excessive. (laughs) (laughs) Go look at my closet. But yeah, but it is. But it is just for one. It's like I know. In fact, one of these pairs, Mariah has had to sew up a couple times Uh because they're starting to, you know, deteriorate or whatever. So it's like I, I really enjoy these pants. They are my favorite you know, pair of pants I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. And I, I got the same pair of pants that, that day mm. and they just didn't work for me. Yeah. I didn't like them. And I think that's, that's the point, right? Yeah. That, that I'm not, and I'm not questioning the quality of them or anything else. I'm just saying, Oh, that doesn't work for me. And that's the beautiful thing about minimalism. You found this pair of pants and now you don't have to worry about this anymore. You're not like, well, I saw this, I got an email and there's 15% off pants at banana Republic. Right. You know, like, I don't care. So unsubscribe me from your damn list. I feel like every time I open my email, I spend half the time just unsubscribing from these things that are like offering me. Anytime I get some sort of sale price, I'm yeah. like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Yeah. I don't want it. Me too. Returning to the text here. The other reason is because I am somewhat of a consumer dirtbag. <laughs> the nice word for this is. I can qu- relate with that. <laughs> the, yeah. The nice word for this is frugal. But I know what I am. See, I'm not frugal, um, but I'm I'm intentional, and I think there's a difference between between the two. Yeah. Um, although I think there's quite a bit of overlap between frugality, especially necessary frugality, and mm. and, and to me, that's almost what intentionality is with respect to con- consumption and and consumer purchases. It's inten- It's it's necessary frugality. Like, is this the best use of this money? Mm-hmm. And However, I tend not to be cheap with with things. Um, we, if I'm going grocery shopping, I will buy the organic over the you know, conventional mm. uh, because I have the luxury of being able to afford that, mm. and, and 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 it's nice. And the same is true with the the consumer goods that I buy. Like I think the nice thing about a lot of these things, uh, although they're positioned as luxury, it's just, it's really just about quality. Right, mm-hmm. and also aesthetics. Aesthetics play certainly play a role in this, as we as we mentioned last week. All right, she said, "I never ever pay for lunch." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> See, that's that, that's not good. That that is unnecessary uh, yeah. frugality. In fact, it's unhealthy when when you get to that point. Instead, I graze on whatever foods happen to be in the Vox Media kitchen. So you can imagine, like a a a lunch that consists of like, oh, there's donuts left over from the morning or there's... Unless you work at like Netflix or Google. Right, when they have healthy options there. they awesome healthy options. That's where you don't have to pay for lunch because right. it's it's already provided for you and yeah. the, your best option is actually there in front of you. Yeah. Uh, my winter coats come from thrift stores. That's actually great. And are all missing buttons. Well, you can have that those fixed. Or linings. You can also have that fixed. And and one of my favorite pairs of boots is currently supported by gaffer tape. That's awesome. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I wouldn't go. <laughs> I would use a different word. Um, <laughs> I am not proud of this. In fact, this combination of laziness and anxiety is one of the traits I like least about myself, and it's why conducting this experiment brought up a lot more complicated feelings than the simple joy of having nice things. And yet, I am still these companies' target consumer. A city-dwelling millennial job haver who cares deeply about stuff. Mm. There is an entire generation of us here, who <clears throat> those who are those who are constantly given the message 
that we can and should have the cleverest couch on the market. Oh, what a term. What the hell does that even mean? You could see a couch company saying that, right? The cleverest couch on the market or have the best item from the fanciest restaurant in town delivered to your door in 20 minutes. It isn't just a display of wealth. It's your morality that you are indeed the informed consumer and and I think let's wow. let's stop back let let's step back on that. I think that's often if I were to give a charitable explanation to people uh, about why you know like when you do we do a house tour or something, someone's like, hey, where'd you get your couch from or whatever? Because they're assuming like, oh, the minimalists they're informed consumers. Yeah, maybe uh, more we, more informed than Im- we're not impulsive consumers. Right, and we're informed again when it comes to our preferences right it's with respect to our own preferences yeah well it, i mean this that, that sentence goes on to say able to not only afford the best but to know what the best even is right and i get caught up in that man where like and i i will actually catch myself because i used to say things like you got to try this coffee it's the best cup of coffee it's the best cup of coffee ever or you've got to try this restaurant it's the best rest everything's the best this is the best it's a very american thing to add these superlatives yes and now I, when I catch myself saying anything is the best, uh-huh. I'll say, uh, you know, this is this cup of coffee is my favorite cup of coffee I've had, yeah. or this restaurant is one of my favorite restaurants. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's funny. My aunt was calling me out on it like the last time I was hanging out with her. I was saying something about how, um, like she, we were talking about whiskey. And I'm like, oh, Jameson is like the best, you know, like cheap whiskey that not cheap, but. You know, you can get it for a fairly decent price. It's not expensive. You know, it's the best whiskey. And then, you know, an hour later, I was talking about um, when Sean and I and and Mariah were in uh, Fargo. Uh And we got to try this, like, super expensive, like, cognac. And um, it was, was, like, 60. I mean, it was awesome, man. And it was the best. She's like, oh, no, I thought the Jameson was the best. Uh And it's like, but but that's the problem is we do throw that superlative best in there when it's, when it's really not that necessary. And it again, it's perspectival. For me to tell you that, hey, this is the best restaurant ever. I mean, that's that's just setting someone up for you know, for 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 disappointment. Also because right. even if it's just outstanding and not the best, I'm like, ah, oh, it was I mean, it was pretty good, but it wasn't the best. Yeah. And the other thing too, man, is like when you're talking about the best, you are you you might actually be hurting someone because you know, let's say that oh, I go to the, I went to this restaurant. It's five hundred bucks a plate, uh-huh. and you know, Mariah and I did it on our anniversary or something, and it was just one once in a lifetime thing. And I'm telling you know someone about oh man, I, this, the best restaurant in the world is this restaurant. It's five hundred bucks a plate. Now you're giving someone the fear of missing out. Right. Like I think that's the one place where I am more frugal than a lot of people is with food because mm-hmm. it's such a because often the money does not equal quality. Yeah. I've learned that unfortunately the hard way in LA a yeah. couple times. Yeah. And, and uh, you can get really good quality at Chipotle. Yep. And you can go spend four times as much and get uh, a mediocre meal. Yeah. That's going to, I also think I have this sort of aversion to um, being waited on. I hate, being waited on mm. and so like if i have to go somewhere where they come to your table to take your order mm. it really turns me off it is uncomfortable man because it's like when you have when you have that experience with a waiter it's like this um 
I, I, I always go out of my way to say, hey, thanks for doing what you do. Mm. Like, I can't, I wouldn't be able to enjoy this nice meal and I wouldn't be able to have this ex- experience if it wasn't for you. But I, it would helping, be. That, that's out. why I don't like the, the... I could still have... I, I, I actually think I'd have a better experience if that person wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a problem in my head because then it manufactures this sort of faux dialogue for me like, okay, I have to interact exactly, with yeah. this person. And that's what I'm getting at is like there is this faux dialogue that goes on because you're trying to show appreciation and not... And you know, you're trying... I mean, for me, it's I'm trying not to be pretentious. Like, mm-hmm. uh, look at me, I'm being waited on. Right. Um. Yeah, and that, that's why I like, like like when I see people being mean to waiters. Like I was, um, I was in Chicago. Uh, Mariah's sister was bartending at this really really nice restaurant. So we sat at the bar. Um, she fed us some really good food, uh, really good wine pairings. But then there's this like this table, and the, this they're treating the waiter like crap. Like awful. it's horrible. And I want to be like, in what world mm. are you entitled to treat anyone like that because you're spending money? And it's right. funny because that's actually what this article kind of helped me realize too is like we unfortunately have this expectation that if we have enough money, we can buy the best product or we can buy the best experience or we can whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then that's our expectation. And then the, the experience happens or we get the product and then it doesn't give us that elation that mm-hmm. we were expecting it's all marketing. So yeah, so it's not, it, it, and the only reason, like the, the dude at the table who was going off on the waiter for whatever reason, like that's his own insecurity, his own disappointment, his, I mean, that's on him. It has nothing to do with the, the restaurant. The food was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it had nothing to do with the food. It had everything to do with this dude set it up in his head that if he spent a certain amount of money that he's entitled to X, Y, and Z, and instead he only got X and Y. So now there is this like unsettling discontent. But the same thing happens with products. Like sure. I, I mean, I, I I haven't gone through. I'm trying to think of something. When I was reading this, I was actually trying to think of something that that's happened with me. But there there certainly are products that I have gone out of my way to to buy and finally get it, and then it's a piece of junk. Right, or even if it's not, but it doesn't live up to the thing that was promised, the, mm-hmm. the seductive marketing, branding message of, of, of this. You don't, maybe you're not even discontented with the product that you have, but you just stop using it or you, you, you set it aside somewhere and, and it just collects dust in a cabinet or attic somewhere. That creates a different kind of discontent. It's a built-up discontent because yeah. you, if you do this over and over and over and over with thousands of items, you're just your home has become a storage locker of things that are creating discontent in your life. <laughs> this makes me think of Axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they sell this certain image. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I've seen one of those commercials but like well, we all remember them yeah though where the dude like sprays all over his body and like women are falling for him right and then it's like i mean that's a that, that's a lifestyle that they're trying to sell but buying ba- axe body spray is not no. if anything it's the opposite it's a, but my, my former spouse <laughs> eighth grade teacher yeah and she's like her classrooms smell like perfume oh ball sweat and axe body spray uh- <laughs> It's not surprising because a lot of eighth graders, instead of showering, they just spray extra Axe body spray. Oh my on. God. Did you read that article about the dude who never washed his hands? 
No. Huh? Oh, anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to Sean. You can put a link in the notes. It's, anyway. Okay. I'm going to wrap up this article here because it's a long one. But ultimately, um, she realizes that all of these things were really stressing her out. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that was stressing her out more is her lifestyle. She goes through this whole article and she's like staying out and eating pizza. She She's making bad decisions and the products themselves are not going to cover up bad decisions. Mm-hmm. That is tweetable, Jess Ness, if you're listening to this. Um, I, I think the that's, that's the problem, Ryan. Mm. We think we're going to buy a product and it's going to cover up the bad decisions that we've made in our lives. Yeah. As opposed to the mattress thing where it's like that actually improves your life if you have a terrible mattress. Now, think about this, Ryan. You have an expensive mattress now. Mm. That's one that you like. You've had for several years at this point. Now, what if you bought a mattress that was four times as expensive as that? Would you sleep four times better? Right. Probably not. No, probably not. In fact, it could be worse, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess, yeah, if you don't want to read this whole article, I understand, but... Well, yeah, we don't have the time to read the whole uh, article. We're only so two pages So the in. next point that she brings up in here that really, um, that I've got noted here is she says, you know, so unless I have the best product or achieve that promotion, I'm useless. It can also result in this really cultivated, groomed presentation life with other people. So usually what happens is people end up feeling one way inside and acting a different way on the outside. And I, mm, I, I guess... Insta- that describes Instagram to me. Yeah. So it's like, I really want to encourage our listeners to not fall for it. Mm. Like, uh, th- that well, is... can we give some actionable, actionable advice? Because for me, how do I not fall for it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some rules that I put in place, right? The 30-30 rule. The, if it's more than $30, I wait 30 hours. So basically, wait a day for anything that costs you more than 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then what about the... Uh, if it's if it's if it's over a hundred bucks, I tend to wait thirty days. There are obvious exceptions to that, mm-hmm. but that is a rule that I put in place, and I'll just put it on my calendar. Does it make things more difficult to purchase sometimes? Yeah, it does. But guess what? It makes me more intentional in in doing so. Yeah. Now, when you saw this robe and instantly got online and wanted to check <laughs> it out because this girl was talking about it, what stopped you from buying it? Well, well no, I, I didn't. Hopefully, even go, I didn't even go check it out. Oh, okay. So that's a strategy too, yeah. right? Stop yourself from going any farther. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing too, man, is if something is marketed to me and it creates a certain want, like I just have something programmed in me now after you know years of being the minimalist, one of the minimalists. Um, if if it's being told to me, like I typically don't buy into it. Right, but how it's do we like, get other people to, to do that is what I'm saying. Well, if I someone's guess, listening to this, I love what you just said about like I didn't even go there. Yeah, don't but, go to the or, or Well, I didn't go to the website. I didn't mm-hmm. go to the website. That's Because the website has removed all the friction of like driving to the shopping mall, finding a place to park, walking through the hide- hideously lit fluorescent hallways of the Fairfield Commons Mall. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, and then going... This is a flea market now. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, but but it it is... It, it's all of these bits of friction that we've completely removed yeah. by... Yeah, just visit our you know, parachute.com or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It's removed that... So how did you get yourself from not going there? Because well, for me, well, with, I went there. Well, with the robe specifically, it's like... I was like, oh, wow, that sounds like a really comfy robe. It actually reminded me of these towels that um oh my gosh his name is totally escaping me right now we did this podcast in portland 
um, Kevin Rose. Yeah. We were at Kevin Rose's house, did his, did his podcast, mm-hmm. and he had these towels that were just like, like I just wanted to go to sleep <laughs> when I touched them. Right. And then thinking about the robe, I was like, oh yeah, like maybe that robe, maybe this robe is like that soft. And and then I, and then I'm like, wait a minute, do I act? Do I have a robe right now? No. Like, is am I really actually gonna wear a robe? Probably not. Even when I'm in a hotel, I don't wear the robe. Right. Right. So like that's what stu- that's what stopped me from going to the website was it wasn't something I had. Uh, it wasn't going to add an appreciable amount of value to my life. Those are two good questions. Is this something I'm replacing? Yeah, and and quite frankly, it wasn't in my budget. I think uh, when I read this, it was like, I mean, Mariah and I were at the end of our budget, and we still had a week left, so it was, I mean, that was instantly where I was like, no, I can't even afford it this month. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yes, indeed. So there's just a couple more things I want to cover in here, man. There's a uh, there's this paragraph she says and yet after my first night in my fancy new bed the assignment is already getting to me I'm more easily annoyed about the imperfections the way my feet are still clammy when I wake up the tumbleweed of blonde hair on the floor an annoying text that I'll feel bad about ignoring all day the products despite being worth thousands of dollars have not managed to neutralize my bodily functions or my laziness about cleaning or the lingering guilt of ghosting so to me, two things are happening here. One is, so before she had that mattress, maybe she wasn't sleeping as well. Mm-hmm. So now she's got a mattress and she's sleeping better. Mm-hmm. Now she's starting to notice all the other imperfections. Uh-huh. And then if she all of a sudden, you know, <clears throat> took care of those little things that she's noticing, uh-huh. well, then she's going to start noticing more imperfections. Sure. So I think, I think this is a good thing, by the way. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Well, I, I think it's a bad thing when we, uh, when we think that we can buy a product. Mm-hmm. And that that product is going to um, all of a sudden fix our lives. I mean, I, right. I the, the, it's the expectations piece of this that I think is is can be damaging. It's it's why you see so many. It's why I think my per, my perspective on why you see so many unhappy rich people mm. is because they have all the stuff, they have all the money, mm-hmm. and and their expectations are raised so much that they start noticing every little. It's the dude at the dinner. Yeah, like he all, all of a sudden you start noticing all these little expectations, and I I have to catch myself sometimes. Right, it's like I live in L.A. and pay ex- exceptionally more than uh, for rent than what we would pay in Montana, and I start to get these entitlements, and I start to have my expectations raised. If you're going to charge me X amount a month for rent, well then I should get this, and that's uh-huh. that's a slippery slope, man. The other thing too that she talks about is. You know the the products, dis, you know, despite how much they're worth, uh-huh. they don't stop her from being lazy. And I think that's the other problem too: is we get these products and we expect them to do the work for us, right? And that is, um, that's just that's just set up for failure. Well, by noticing the more the more flaws, Ryan, that you you pointed out, I think that is good <clears throat> because then you have to take action. The products aren't going to take the action for you. And that's where, yeah. where, where it goes wrong. Yeah. I mean, and she talks about going in the article further. Like she talks about how she wakes up hungover and her, you know, her nice fancy sheets in bed, but that doesn't cure a hangover. No. <laughs> like doesn't matter how, how, how nice the sheets or robe you have. Like it's not going to cure your hangover. Right. For you. You'd rather wake up in the nicer bed with a hangover. But the better thing is to wake up without the hangover. Right. It's about making the better decisions before that your future self and soon to be future self tomorrow morning yeah. is going to be yeah. happier with. Let's put a link to this article in the show notes so people can take a look at it. would love to hear your thoughts on the article as well. Just put it in the comments on this post on Patreon below. And we have some questions from you all today 
And so I wanted to dive into those patrons. Actually, let's do a surprise question segment. We got some surprise. Let's save those for the end. Let's save our surprises cool. for the end, Dude, Ryan. This, I feel like we spent three hours on this article. Man. Yeah, but it's we're not so going good. to. <clears throat> it's so good. All right. This uh, first question is from Karam. By owning less, I find myself more attracted to my fewer possessions so that I'm either upset if I misplace them or worry about damaging them. How do you combat the attachment to your possessions? Man, I when I read this question, and this isn't any offense to, uh, yeah, to Karam, but to me that is a symptom. It's a sign that there's something deeper going on, mm-hmm. because like I, I really was trying to think of something actionable. Like, what can our listeners do mm-hmm. to stop being so attached to their stuff? And I'm, I'm, you know, thought about my own life and like how is it that I've been able to become detached or able to let go of anything Mm -hmm. and i mean honestly it comes down to my confidence and like where that comes from is it's my short-term actions aligning with those long-term values Mm -hmm. and like when you have when you can look in the mirror and like you can feel good about what you've done you know when something goes missing or you know my, my apartment spontaneously combusted like a it's out of my control and b i'm not any less complete without a certain product right, right. i mean it, it'd be, be pain in the ass to replace stuff you know my computer whatever but be like less comfortable but but just as complete we talked about this during the tidying up episode ryan um when they use the word cherish in that right mm-hmm. the word cherish your stuff get yeah. rid of anything you don't cherish that's actually where Karim is right now. Cherishing. She's cherishing the stuff. I tell you what I did. I started letting go of some of the things that I cherish the most because it, it showed me that those things were just things and they were replaceable things. So maybe you don't want to start with some sentimental items that you feel like you can't replace. Yeah. I, we could have a different conversation. I argue you could replace those even um, because you'll get new sentimental items. Yeah. And I mean, that'd be I, okay. I, I did start with sentimental items like when yeah. we did that packing party. And you're right, like just letting go of, I didn't let go of everything, but there was one thing I picked out, okay, I'm going to let it go, see how it feels. And yeah, you start to give yourself that confidence of, oh, that actually didn't mean that much to me. Mm-hmm. So Karen, pick your favorite shirt, your favorite pair of shoes, and your favorite pair of jeans. That's what I did. I gave them away to mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, this was back in 2011, I believe, so a long time ago. Because people were asking me, what are your favorite things? And I started asking myself about those favorite things and why are they my favorite things? And then why do I cherish them? I didn't want to cherish them anymore. So I decided to let them go. So practice letting go. That doesn't mean let go of everything. I don't want you to be a Spartan. I don't want you to... Uh, Spartanism is a thing. It's a, you know, it's, a, it's a form of OCD. It's the opposite side of the spectr- spectrum from hoarding. But they're both on the OCD spectrum. And so... I don't want you to get rid of everything. I want you to practice letting go of the things that you think right now are precious. Because if anything is too precious, let it go. All right. Our next question is from Paige. Paige says, what suggestions would you have for trying to maintain a balance between finding a product, for example, a toiletry product, that works for you and your lifestyle and not wanting to waste things in the process when the products are non-returnable. We, we touched on this already, Ryan. You got to find the one that works for you. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be flawless. Your pants that you have right now aren't perfect. You've already said that. You, you had to re-sew them or whatever. They're not indestructible. Right. 
And in doing so, you find what works for you. There will be some waste in the process, right. but considerably less if you stick to the thing that works for you as long as it continues to work for you. Yeah. I mean, I had to have some shampoo, man. Like Oya, God Lover, recommended the shampoo. And it's it was, you know, it was working for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I noticed my scalp getting super, super dry. And I'm bummed out because I spent like 50 bucks on this you know, shampoo that I used half of mm-hmm. and I just ended up throwing it away. Cause it's like, I mean, I recycled the bottle, but, but yeah, it's, but there is going to be some waste, but when you are being deliberate, when you're being intentional, it's going to be a lot less waste than if you were being unintentional. Yeah. You're going to reduce it significantly. So don't look to waste <laughs> nothing. Look to waste less by making good decisions and sticking to those decisions. As long as they continue to work for you. Gillette says, what is your take on saying something is, quote, brand new. What's the brand in there for? And then uh, Bruce responded to her question with, along with, quote, new and improved. What is brand new? Is it new or is it just an old product being improved? <clears throat> yeah, that it is. Th- these are what I call noxious marketing terms. <laughs> what did we see in Canada? Like, there was this year in Canada where everything was certified. Oh, yeah, we were up there. This is 2014. We did a, a Canadian leg of our tour. We, yeah. we literally drove across the entire country from, well, not all of it because we didn't go to uh, St. John's. New Finland. Yeah. New Finland. I always mess that one up. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, we went from basically Nova Scotia to Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in, in doing so, we saw certified this so it Certifi- was just one of these and it was it was like it had to do with food uh-huh wireless carriers <laughs> clothing like all textile a lot of textile goods like it was and, and yeah and eventually we're looking at each other like why the hell is certified <laughs> now maybe it's a government thing yeah maybe. I, I don't know just like when something is organic you can't say it's organic unless it goes through a certified organic process and even then like so small farmers can't afford it you might have some food that is technically organic but they couldn't go through the certification process because you know, whatever the stipulations are they don't they don't meet them yeah. and so you can still buy organic food that isn't certified organic mm. uh, it becomes very confusing but in the wor- world of marketing you see it instead of organic you just see the word natural yeah with natural flavors what the hell does that mean Dude. Yeah. natural flavors isn't that funny like when you every whenever you see natural when i see natural flavoring i run Right. Because like all it is, is like it's saying that there's a flavor that tastes natural. <laughs> well, right. But also strychnine is natural. Oh, yeah, it's true. Have yeah. you tried the new strychnine flavor, <laughs> LaCroix? What, what is up with brand new though? Is it like, is it referring to a brand that's new? I think the original terminology, <clears throat> I might be wrong with this. So someone correct me in the comments on Patreon. Uh it's new for this brand oh. was the, the original term. So if you are uh, Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati and you are, um, you're selling toothbrushes or whatever, but you've decided we're going to sell laundry detergent. Mm. Well, it's brand new. It's new to our brand. Mm. Now, it has took, taken on several iterations after that to basically just mean new Mm. and then what bruce said here bruce hansen said uh, what about new and improved is it new or is it just an old product that's being improved again it's a noxious term it's so vapid it doesn't right it literally means nothing yeah because it can't be new and improved it is either improved or it is new yeah maybe we should uh 
call this episode brand new and and improved. <laughs> <laughs> brand new and improved. You know, well, it's funny when I think about like people who own a car. Like, hey, uh, you know, I I just got a car. Great. Is it is it new? Yeah, it's new. Well, I mean, it's new to me. Right. But then if they were to say, yeah, it's brand new, like then you expect it to be right off the lot. Like it does have this connotation. It, yeah, it does have that connotation yeah. now. So it it has morphed into something else where. Um, I was reading this short story in the New Yorker, and it was talking about something about a certified certified used car. I mean, I I had one of those, like a Toyota, one of my the first Toyota Camry I bought. I think I was maybe nineteen. I bought a certified used. It's pre-owned. That's what the, well, that's what Lexus calls it, right? I think Toyota call, calls it certified used. Maybe okay. I don't know. And Lexus calls it certified pre-owned. Mm. Um, anyway. They put it in like new condition, which is another term. Uh, so we got brand like new and improved. <laughs> yeah, it, That's what we'll do the, with this episode. We should do all the the catchy, kitschy words that we can come up with that people use. Certified, pre-owned, new and improved brand. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, organic, natural. Yeah, yeah. The, but it. The I, I agree with you, Ryan. They are words of warning. They're, they're just a warning sign. Hey, be careful here. They are trying to sell me something that is pro- that most likely will not live up to the seduction of this advertisement. Right. Our next question is from Nate. Nate said, I'm a designer. Oh, he said it specifically for me. So turn Ryan's mic off immediately, Sean. <laughs> Cut my mic off. <laughs> I'm a designer, and honestly, I hate myself for oh. worrying about how a product looks like versus its function. Do you ever run into this problem where you'd rather not buy it now when you need it and look for something that visually looks better? So he has OCD like me is what he's saying. Mm. Example. I'm glad he provided these examples because yes. Examples. Laundry detergent. Groceries with maximalist packaging. Brightly colored packaging for things, etc. Does it ever bother you if you bring those things into your life? The short answer is yes. It bothers <laughs> the hell out of me. Now, do you, Ryan, you saw the movie Layer Cake with um, uh, uh, Daniel Craig. Yes, one of my favorite movies, and and he's talking about how he, and he's a he's like this posh drug dealer, mm-hmm. but he's talking about how one day all this is going to be legal. He was sort of predicting, you know, it's already happened with you. Know, you go into MedMen. Oh the, yeah. If you go walk into the MedMen store, it looks like the Apple store for weed, basically <laughs> right. in California. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and it's just really well done. Well, they have this uh, opening scene where he's walking through this drugstore, but it's literally every package on the wall. And if you remember, this is all white, mm. it, like perfectly white. And the labels are all completely uniform with Helvetica font. And yeah. I'm like, I, that's how exactly how I would like my house to look. Yeah. I wish all of my, my things <laughs> were perfectly packaged like that. Um, and, of course, they're not because it doesn't work that way. And so things get mismatched from times. And so my answer to you is yes. I, I, I change what I can change. Meaning, uh, I, Bex and I will be at like Target and we will, we won't argue, but like if she just puts like the Kleenexes into the, into the uh, shopping cart. And it's like some nice like plaid <laughs> Kleenex pattern. Right. I'm like, no, that doesn't work. Like we have to go back and find the, the one that is. A, and you, we even have a Kleenex 
cover, but like it just drives me crazy because they're being stored under the sink in the meantime. Oh, yeah. I, I want them to to look good aesthetically, yeah. as good as possible. They're never going to look as good as I, I would have it in my mind because I, I guess I'd have to design that if I wanted right. that to happen. So yes, I change what I can up front, but then I also practice accepting the things that I cannot change. Mm-hmm. Right? I did a, a whole essay about this recently about habitual complaining. We'll put a link to that in the show notes and, and just saying saying I can change this so I will there are some things I can't change so I might as well let it go I might as well accept this and then also most important I think I think the thing you were talking about earlier with that article Ryan the rich people with the the guy who's yelling at the waiter mm-hmm. man did he lack gratitude oh yeah and if we inject a gratitude into that situation it's going to lead to compassion immediately yeah it happened to me yesterday Mm. We we're in our parking garage here. I was leaving and I was, I get up there. I'm walking up the stairs to, to the top floor. And as I'm walking up the stairs, the parking attendant here who, you know, like checks your tickets or whatever, mm. he's walking down mm. the stairs. So I get up to the top and my car is blocked in by one of the car. The garage is over full. So then they park cars in front of your car. Yeah, they do the valet thing. And the guy isn't there because I saw him walk past me. So Damn it, I gotta walk all the way back down to the bottom, this stupid idiot. I can't believe he would just leave that car right there in front of my car. Doesn't he know? How disrespectful. I have some, yeah, he disrespected me. He saw me walking upstairs. He could have known that one of those cars being blocked in was my car. He at least could have asked me. Right. No, of course not. He didn't know. He didn't think about it. And guess what? I was grateful that I had a car to drive home in that no one hit my car, that all four of my tires still had air in them. I had gas in my tank so I could get home. I was grateful that I had the extra time because I gave myself a little bit extra time. So I wasn't in a rush, I wasn't in a hurry. And so I slowly walked down and I found the guy and I said, hey man, I just wanna let you know that my car's blocked in. Could you do me a favor and maybe move the car that's in front of it? I'd really appreciate it. He's like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Gratitude, man. Yeah, it, yeah, it goes totally a long way changed, for sure. Yeah, totally changed the way that, that I felt. And yeah. I think you can do that as well, Nate. Be grateful for the things that you do have access to. Change the things that you can. Anna wants to know something, Ryan. What's that? Anna said, my kids are just st- starting to want branded clothing. And now they even complain when I shop at a discount supermarket here in Australia. What kind of conversations can I have with them so that they don't feel as though they are missing out? Also, how do I find a good quality? How do I find good quality but ethical clothing and shoes? Thanks for all that you do. Um, let me. Do you did you see the pay less stunt that they did? No. Did I show that to you? No. Sean, did I show that to you? You got to put a link to it. I saw it. the International House of Burgers stunt that I hot pulled. <laughs> yeah, we, we should have talked about that during the branding episode. Yeah, that was a good one. Actually, genius. our friend worked on that campaign. Yeah, uh, yeah Matthew Vella's wife. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, um, pay less, Ryan. They yeah. took, uh, they they got in contact with all these influencers. And they, <laughs> they, <laughs> right. Oh my god! I just uh-huh. saw this meme today, like where it was, it said something like, uh, um there's no way that you can be rich and successful without working hard and putting your nose to the grindstone. And then it had like an influencer. It was like influencer 
hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they, they took all these Instagram celebrities, basically, yeah. and they opened up this boutique shoe store. I don't know where. It might have been like on Fairfax. It was in a cool district. Yeah. Um, and they did this boutique shoe store, but they didn't call it Payless. They took all shoes from Payless, though, and dressed them up, made them look fancy, but did nothing else to the shoes other than take shoes from a regular Payless store. So they made the storefront look fancy. Nothing different about the shoes. <laughs> nothing different about the shoes okay. at all. Right. They, okay. they took Payless shoes, put them into it, and it was actually called Palessi. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like this Italian name. It's genius. They just changed the spelling of Payless. Yeah. Uh, Palessi. Palessi. And, and it had an I instead of a Y, so it looked Italian or, or, wow. or you know, vaguely... Uh, from an area of the world where people are swarthier than than the Germans, um, and and so in in going in there, all these like influencers mm-hmm. go in there, and they're like, and they're interviewing them about us, like, how much would you pay for these pumps? She's like, I've really been looking for some pumps like this. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could probably pay. I'd probably pay six hundred dollars for them. <laughs> There's guys looking at these shoes, like wow. it's a pair of Nikes from uh, or Adidas or whatever yeah. from. Pay less, but they're like on this pedestal, and they look they look beautiful. Oh, I gotta look this up. He's like, yeah, I would. Dude, he's probably three hundred and thirty dollars, and of course they're not. They're right. pay less shoes, and so I think we can show kids that if they're old enough to understand that they're being marketed to, and you can talk to them also if they're old enough to be marketed to. Uh, in that way, they're probably all also old enough to start buying some of their own things. Mm-hmm. We uh, yesterday we just recorded an episode because she was in town with Rachel Cruz, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all uh, next month. Uh, I think it'll be out around the the 19th, and so the the uh, maximal episode with of that will be out I think on the 21st of March. And we talked to Rachel about giving kids an allowance on that mm-hmm. maximal episode and uh, helping them understand that they're going to buy their own things. Mm-hmm. And so you can have them di- see how they're going to direct their own money. If they have 50 bucks this month to spend on clothing or whatever the number is, they get to figure out. Now, they might buy something that isn't, as you say, ethical clothing. There's no such thing as ethical clothing. Clothing There's eth- ethically made clothing. Uh, the clothing itself is not ethical. But um, yes, you can you can tell them about it. You can show them about sweatshops and about consuming responsibly. But one of the ways they're going to learn that is if they're spending their own money, they yeah. are forced to be responsible it's with a, it. It's a great uh, lesson that, that that they could teach their kids by using this. Yeah, like hel- helping them save, showing them how to save. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too is, I mean, it's so easy for me to give advice on kids when I don't have any. <laughs> but, you know, teaching a child that they're going to be happy with the actions they take in their lives Uh and a fancy pair of shoes might create some type of jealousy amongst their peers at school and they might feel better because oh i've got this expensive pair of shoes and you guys can't afford them but i can Mm -hmm. but you know teaching a child like really getting to the reason why they want those clothes and, and dissecting and unpacking the why with your kid to explain like, hey, do you really want to make other people feel less? Hmm. Do you really want to create these negative emotions in other people just because you have, you know, these pair, 
this pair of shoes or this name brand pair of pants. Man, why do you want? Why do you want those <coughs> shoes? Why do you want these pants? Yeah. Asking them those questions. Uh, first, they're going to they're gonna say surface level things, right? Like they're cool or because my friends want them mm-hmm. or whatever. And say, if you keep asking questions, you keep going deeper, 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 you find that, oh, I wasn't thinking about this this way. Mm. Why do I actually want this thing? Yeah. Is it to clothe me? Is it to keep me warm? It's the Jack Johnson line, right? Like these these clothes will keep us warm just like those. Yeah. And, and that's really what the simple life is for me is about it's like yeah. finding the, th- the high quality things but man i avoid logos whenever i can because i'm not trying to display i'm not trying to brand myself right you're not paying me to uh to be your brand ambassador yeah it's crazy man i uh man I, it's funny because i'm trying to think there, there's this <clears throat> there is this girl i don't know if you remember her or not i forget what stop we were at but it was uh it was during our last tour less is now and she was like how do i not want to get the newest iphone she's like i just i want it she was young she's like 12 or something really right? young yeah something. and I, I don't remember having like an awesome answer for her at the time mm-hmm. but you know now that i think about it talking about all these products there isn't a way to stop wanting there isn't a way to stop the impulse like we're always you and i the minimalists we saw the parachute robe mm-hmm. cool name so soft like we both had the impulse oh we're going uh, maybe we do need a robe even as the minimalists we still have these impulses Mm -hmm. it's not it's the question isn't how do you stop the impulse it's how do you deal with the impulse how do you stave off the impulse because it's always going to be there Mm -hmm. it's about keeping it at bay what's that what's the gate what's the boundary that you can set up The friction yeah yeah and and figuring that out and i think quite often it starts with a lot of those questions those difficult questions you're going to have to have those conversations it doesn't mean your kids are going to stop wanting those things but maybe they'll understand better why they want them Mm -hmm. and if they're spending their own money on it maybe they'll be a little bit more responsible because it's not just oh mom or dad are giving me money yeah so i can just this stuff's free i think for me too man it's it's understanding what I can do with that money. What's the best choice with that money? So we talk about th- this a lot. Like how, how can, you know, these dollars be used the best. Mm-hmm. And when I like, you know, when I was thinking about the, um, when Mariah and I were like at our budget and there's no way I could have afforded to have bought a parachute robe at that point in the month, I, I had money left over in other areas that I had budgeted for, but you know, a $300 robe means that I wasn't I wouldn't be able to you know rent a car when I, when Mariah and I traveled to I forget where the heck we went earlier. Oh, we went to Florida. Uh-huh. And it's <clears throat> and it's like the, knowing what those dollars are going towards like that helps me to stave off that impulse too. So, I guess you know with with this uh with this gal's kid really ask give them the option like okay, do you want would you rather have you know this family trip we're going to go on? Or would you rather have this logo that you wear? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather uh, have you know steak tonight for dinner? Mm-hmm. Or you, we can go and get that logo, that logoed shirt, that branded shirt. But uh, tonight's gonna be tuna casserole, though. Right, but I think I th- well, I think most of the time the kids are gonna choose the logo. I know I would have as, as a teenager, <clears throat> and and yeah. so I think you have to get beyond. You have to. That's an important first step, mm-hmm. showing them they're all. There are alternatives. Also, our money is not infinite. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to explain to them. Yeah. That there are choices to be made here. Yeah. But then also, why are you making that choice? But yeah, I guess yeah, f- yeah, absolutely. Why and but but finding what 
and trying to help that child, to, uh, you know, uncover what they want more than more than that branded shirt. I mean, maybe it's electricity. Oh, we can get that branded shirt, but we will have no electricity this month. You know, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, I'm sure there's something there, but I don't think that that is the magic bullet answer. I don't think getting behind the why is the magic bullet answer. I don't think putting up friction is the magic bullet answer. But when you add these things into your life, it adds up to really helping to stave off these impulses. Indeed. Sean, you got any surprise questions for us? I'm kind of transitioning my what I do for work into potentially an independent business online. A buddy of mine who's been a great support um, during a life-changing experience at this time uh, has encouraged me to kind of jump on board with one of his uh, career aspirations, which is to have an online business. Uh, this online business includes uh, encouraging individuals to purchase products through the actual business, and which would mean that I would have to be purchasing products through that business as well to support my own. Is it, uh, in theory, possible to be living a life uh, as a minimalist while having an online business where you're essentially required to purchase products? Well, Nicholas, Ryan and I sell products. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with selling products. It also depends on what you mean by a product. Do you mean physical goods? That's one thing. Physical goods tend to be finite, right? Like uh, if I sell this book, you know, there's only X number of this book printed, mm -hmm. right? And we can print more, obviously. But with the ebook version of this, there's an infinite number of ebooks. Yeah. There's, yeah, if all 7 billion people had access to uh, reading ebooks, then we could have 7 billion copies, right? Or they could all have two copies of the ebook if they wanted because uh, so the digital world is a little bit different from the physical world in that respect. Mm -hmm. And that's why for us, like our documentary has been seen by tens of millions of people, mm. but it's not like there's tens of millions of uh, copies of it out there. Right. It was just streamed from one server basically. And so, so you, you can sell services and experiences, but also you can sell products that aren't physical goods, but you can also sell physical goods and you can do so intentionally as long as those physical goods align with what you consider your values to be. And I think that's where, if you're asking this question, Nicholas, Ryan and I, we, we sold a bag, you know, the packed bag that, that we did uh, with Malcolm. Uh, it was a little bit different from what Nicholas is doing. We tried to talk people out of it. Yeah. And I talked about that in the last episode, but um, we sell books. Now, to me, a book is an experience. It's not about the artifact itself. Mm -hmm. You don't just buy the book and say, well, via osmosis, or I now have the the knowledge. No, it's about going through the thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, the question is, is Nicholas, are you deceiving people? Oof. Like, that's what it comes down to for me. Like, with the bag, I did not feel like we were deceiving anyone when we were selling that bag. There was, n there was no deception. We were very transparent. Um, and I think that's where marketing and that's where companies like this that Nicholas that Nicholas is talking about, it's where it goes wrong, mm -hmm. is where you are, you you are deceiving people. And if you if you can look in the mirror, Nicholas, and say, you know what? No, I really these products, they're great, and I really believe in them, and they do, you know, provide a better quality of life, or I like the aesthetics, or whatever it may be. Uh, it's okay to sell product that is based on people's preferences, um, 
but it's not okay to deceive people. So when you're out there, uh, and I'm not talking about Nicholas, but anyone out there, you know, who sees this product online and they're, oh man, look at that watch, it's so good, and then they get it and it falls apart and it's a piece of junk. Right. That's deception. Right, as long, unless like, let's say you made a bunch of watches and one of them broke, of course sure. it, there, there's going to be some, some scenarios there, but mm -hmm. Ryan, that's so important what you're saying, because I think we go into these things with good intentions, and then we start to compromise a little bit, and then a little bit more, mm -hmm. and I think we all have to sort of catch ourselves when we do that, and even you and I will catch ourselves doing something like, oh, that doesn't feel right to me, and Nicholas, right now you're saying that doesn't feel right to him. Mm -hmm. What would feel right to you, though, Nicholas? Maybe yeah. you're in a scenario right now. Actually, you're definitely in a scenario right now where you get to decide what is going to feel right for me, and if the path you're getting ready to go down isn't the path that feels right for you, maybe there's a path that's just five degrees different from the path you're going on right now a little bit different but you don't have to compromise anything yeah. and that's the nice thing i i tend when people go into business i man i strongly recommend not going into business with a business partner <laughs> um it, it's very rare what i don't you think and there's I have. anyone else i could be a business partner with man. no absolutely not yeah. uh, I, I and because especially you have other people going you know, seven people going into business you're going to have some sort of conflict and the the business is going to get screwed up and it's going to hurt your creations so you have to keep that in mind as well what what is this business going to look like for you and what are you what are the lines you're not willing to cross nicholas don't cross those lines yeah. sean let's do a, one more surprise question i recently separated from my husband whom i was with for 17 years as I was packing up to move, I found myself not wanting to take much with me as I just really wanted to start fresh and didn't want these things to remind me of my quote-unquote old life. However, I now feel some consumerist guilt in buying new things when I still had perfectly good things at my now ex-home. I was wondering if you have some tips on how to balance starting fresh with not overbuying out of fear of triggering memories of a past relationship. All right, Casey, congratulations. You're moving on to the next chapter in your life after yeah. a 17-year relationship. I think you can look back in the rear view and maybe things didn't end up the way you wanted them to end up, or maybe they did. Maybe you, at the very beginning, planned on having exactly a 17-year relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. But generally, we move on from things and we say, oh, man, that was, that was awful because it's tainted by the last third or the last tenth of what happened. But in reality, we can be really grateful for the, the overall experience, the beginning of the relationship, the way things went. Maybe if you have kids together or, or anything, you, you can be grateful for the, the results or just for the time that you had together. Now, of course, that's not always the case. But now that you're, you're moving on, you're holding on to some things and you're worried about, oh, no, are these things going to constantly trigger the bad memories in my life? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it sounded like she was saying that th those things that did trigger those bad memories, she let go of. And she has this consumerist guilt of, you know, she had a perfectly good mug, mm -hmm. but it was the mug that her husband gave her for an anniversary. So she now let that mug, let it go. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have to be reminded. But and she's then, also worried about holding on to the and things then she, she's currently holding on to. And then she bought a new mug. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I guess, yeah, I'm just looking at it from that, that the question from that aspect of it. Uh, if this mug bothered you, Josh, mm -hmm. let's say it reminded you of your past bad relationships, mm -hmm. like I would get rid of it because yeah. I don't want to uh, remind you of those things. Right. I want you to have a an atmosphere where you feel good in. And if there's something I can do to add or take away 
to help you have a better experience, then that's what I'm going to do. And if I do that for you, I'd certainly do it for myself. And they're just things. Now, the consumer's guilt comes in because we're like, I'm over, I feel like I'm overspending. But to me, you might be underspending because mm. what is the real cost of that weight, of the constant reminder? Now, for some of us, you might have no reminder at all. You'd be like, yeah, they're just things. They don't trigger anything in me. Mm-hmm. But if they do, it's costing you so much more than money. Yeah. And by the way, the things you do let go of, you can replace them relatively. And if money is the key concern and you don't want to get rid of the mug, you can go to Goodwill and get four mugs for a dollar probably. Yeah. And, and so think about that. It doesn't have to be the most aesthetically pleasing thing at first, but you can find this used thing that someone else isn't getting value from and replace it with that if you feel like you need to. Or mm-hmm. more likely than not, you can just get rid of it mm-hmm. and you probably don't have to replace it at all. Yeah. And there might be some things in her life, in Casey's life, that she has to hold on to. Like, like let's say they do have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, her, her kids are going to remind her of her marriage. Um, in fact, the kid is always going to tie her back to her partner, Yeah, her ex-partner. Yeah, I mean, I, I go through that now with, with Bex and, and Ella's biological father. Yeah. So, I mean, I love what you said about, you know, finding the things that you're grateful for mm-hmm. uh, with those things that you can't let go. You can't just let go of your kid because it reminds you of your ex. Yeah. Uh, but what you can do is be appreciative of the child you have and be appreciative of what that what your ex did give you. I mean, it's a gift that your ex helped you have. So, I mean, it's kind of where your where your incantations are really when it comes to those things you, you can't let go of. Yeah, you are what you focus on mm-hmm. at this point. And if, if everything sucks, then everything sucks. What, what did, uh, uh, it was Henry Ford who said, uh, if you say you can do it or you can't do it, you're right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's sort of how we are with respect to appreciating the things in our life. If you appreciate it, then all of a sudden you can put it in a more positive light. I tweeted something not long ago. I said, uh, all of the worst things that happened to me have been the best things that happened to me. Mm. It's always a retrospect, obviously. In the sure. moment, it sucks, but you do learn something from it. Even the health problems I've been going through recently, I, I can look at it and say, man, if I get to the other side of this, I will have learned so much from this process and about slowing down and about gratitude and about pausing, about meditation, about gut health. Um, yeah, I think it's a good place to end it, y'all. Patreon, patrons, thank you so much for being here. Y'all are awesome. The video, the, vid- so much. the video for this will be out tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, you can check that out if you're one of our video uh, subscribers. But I think that's all I got. Love people use things, y'all. We'll see you next time. Take care. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear